and we mean that, you know, come as you are. Don't pretend to be, you know, life's absolutely swimming if life's difficult. Equally, if life's going great, then, then uh, celebrate that and join with us as well. Uh, you know, we're a church that uh, simply welcomes absolutely anyone and everyone from all kinds of backgrounds, and you're so, so welcome. Uh, myself and Chantel, we're the senior pastors or the pastors of this church, which is just such a thrill to be leading. We're so grateful to God for the journey that he has us on, uh, the wonderful things that he's been doing over the three and a half years that we've been planted now. And uh, together we have a, a leadership team of individuals that uh, act as our kind of core team and help us uh, lead the church and make key decisions. And I just thought I'd highlight those people to you in case you didn't know who they were. Uh, we have Gillian, who's our children's pastor, uh, who looks after all of the children's work from gems and rockets and sparklers, and she does children's work, and currently all of what she does is in her own time. Um, she uh, does that on a voluntary basis, and we thank her and honor her for doing that and giving of herself in that way. Uh, we have Phil, and we have Hannah. Uh, they were, Phil was the one on the guitar in the middle. Hannah was the young lady here without a keyboard. And uh, together they're our worship pastors and they, uh, they together with ourselves were around right at the very beginning. They moved over from England um, to help plant the church three and a half years ago. And uh, initially we said a year, just come and help us get off the ground. A year, give us that. And they're still here. We can't get rid of them. I know we've tried, but, uh, but they're still with us, which we're delighted about, and they're just fantastic. And then we have Steve, who's uh, counting all of you at the minute, uh, each and every one of you, so important. We have a baby here. Have you got this one, Steve? That's, that's, that's a number. In the eyes of the Lord, it's a number. In the eyes of our church and our stats, it's a number. Keep, um, keep procreating. And we'll grow the church. You don't really want to hear that, do you, Gillian? <laughs> oh, yes, you, yes, you do. It's wonderful. Uh, so, so Steve and his lovely wife, uh, Elaine, they uh, also have been around uh, right at the beginning uh, and helped us plant the church. And together, it's such a joy that we get to do this. Uh, together with other life group leaders and ministry leaders and many of you who give up your Sundays and other time during the week, as Chantel's already said, uh, it's just uh, stunning and really, really helpful uh, for us. Those of you who've been coming, what we say to you, if you like us and you want to stick around longer, we would encourage you to consider um, nailing your colors to the mast. Now, we don't have membership really here. It's not like you, you know, get a piece of paper and a membership card and a signed photograph of me and Chantel. It's... A membership isn't something that we have. Membership is kind of functional. And what that really means, we say to our folks, if, this, if you're committing to Carrick Vignon, you're saying, yeah, that's the church that I want to be a part of. There's just four things. One is that you commit to coming on Sundays. And you, you win the battle of the bed sheets, especially this morning. You win that battle of, yes, I'm going to get out. Yes, I'm going to get my breakfast. Yes, I'm going to get here for half ten, because that's when it starts. <laughs> and then secondly, 
And then secondly, you know, we, we would urge you, we'd encourage you to do life together and find a friend and make friends, and make meaningful relationships through some area of community. And uh, we've had 10 life groups running just this term, which has been fantastic. After Easter, and you're going to hear about it before Easter in two weeks' time, we've got 12 life groups running, which is absolutely fantastic. And we would encourage you to look at that list and think, yeah, that's, that's what I'd like to go to, and go and make friends there and share your life there. That's two. Three is join the team. Join the team. This is not a church where you're going to sit comfortably and be fed, okay? Because when you get fed and you don't exercise, what happens? You put on weight, okay? So when you get fed, you then go and exercise. I'm doing like a flappy bird. What's all that about? <laughs> and you get stuck in and you serve and you join the team. Our children's team's always looking for folks. Our cafe team, our setup team, our welcome team. They're just four teams that happen every single Sunday. And we would encourage you to be a part of the team. And that's just on a Sunday. There's other things through the week as well. And then the fourth thing is that you commit to giving financially. That's often the one that for all of us who are followers of Jesus, that often is the sign of, of commitment to Jesus ultimately because it's to him and it's for him, but it comes as an access through the church. And we would ask you to consider giving financially as well. So um, that's not in the notes, and, uh, but there you go. We, uh, you join us on Ephesians uh, chapter 6, uh, 1 to 9 we're looking at this morning. We're nearly there. This is like the final countdown. Da, 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 da. Come on, Malcolm, give us the next bit. Da, 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 da. So we're there next week. Next week's going to be fun. You're going to really like that. Today's going to be good too, but next week's going to be really, really fun as we look at the armor and all the rest. And it's going to be a little bit like what the kids do. You know, the kids get all the fun. They get to make shields and all that sort of stuff. So uh, do come along next week. But this week, we're looking at parenting. And uh, we're looking at slaves and looking at masters this morning. Do you remember weeks ago I spoke about the analogy of the photograph that was taken? God's original design for his people was that he would create a people here on earth that would be united together as one, as one family that would love each other but would love him in loving community. And through the cross, he united Jew and Gentile, two groups of people, two cultures which were just poles apart. And through the death and the resurrection of Jesus, he brought them and he united them to be one people. And we spoke about division, didn't we? We looked at different places around the world and we focused primarily on our culture of Protestant and Catholic. That we would be a one people and that's what Jesus is looking for, to unite his people here on earth. Because together forever when we go and spend eternity together we're going to be one people and then uh, Paul unpacks to the Ephesians ways that we're to live with each other and he talks about unity and protecting that bond of unity and there were lots and lots of different ways that we were to love each other and honor one another and he gave us lots of really good tips of how to do that and just last week uh, Chantel covered the whole aspect of that bond and union of marriage and that relationship. So this week we're looking at children, we're looking at parenting, and we're looking at slaves and masters. So here goes. 
Would you like to read, my dear? Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. Is there another one? And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. Thank you. Okay, background to kind of children, the Roman Empire. Here we go. Patria Potestas was the name given for the father's power in the Roman Empire. And basically, fathers in the Roman Empire had a huge, huge amount of authority and power. And a father in that era, in that culture to which Paul writes, could do the following things to their child. First of all, they could sell the child. They could chain the child in the fields to act as a slave and to work in the fields. They could punish the child however they wanted or chose, or they can even go as far as inflict death upon a child. And that was permissible within the Roman Empire. There was a custom that was... um, when a child was born, that the child would be placed at the feet of the father. And the father could either choose to acknowledge the child by collecting and lifting the child and bringing him in or her in. Or the father could simply turn away and leave the child. And it was their way, it was their physical, actual act right there that actually chose what the father wanted to do. Uh, with the child. Unwanted children were commonly left in the Roman Forum and they could be collected by anyone and often they were. They were often collected for two reasons. One, to be uh, reared and trained and raised so that they might be slaves because that was currency. Or the alternative was slaves as well but they were, if it was a girl, obviously taken in and brought up to be a prostitute. As for sick or deformed babies, they were simply drowned. This is the culture. This is the place in which Paul is writing this letter to. And if ever uh, Christianity was ever asked what impact Christianity and the life of Jesus has done for the world, it is in the area of child care that is absolutely central. Central. When I speak those things, I see the horror in your faces. My goodness, did that happen? Did that really happen? Could, how could that really happen? And it is through the, the, the person of Jesus that he modeled those things and he instructed his early disciples in order the way that children should be treated. And we're going to look at that uh, a little bit. But it's into this culture that Paul writes this. He writes and he reminds them of the commandment that was passed down to Moses to children that they should honor your mother and father, to obey them. Obedience and honor here mean to respect our parents, to follow their loving instructions. 
Honor means to value your parents, to respect their age, to model the godly things taught you by them, to protect their dignity, and to bring them joy. A phone call, a thoughtful present, etc., etc. And what a great day to be having this subject on for our mothers, that we would honor them and we'd say thank you for all that you do. Uh, now, obedience assumes that instructions are given. Let's just say that again. Obedience assumes that instructions are given. You can only be obedient if instructions have been given. And here's the thing. Some of the most disobedient children are often those that have never had instruction. And so as a teacher, the children that often are most difficult, are most disobedient, are those that have never had loving, affirming, clear boundaries and instructions given. Consider a police officer who's having to deal with a, a young, um, or could be a, it doesn't matter what age, but it comes against the law. I've, I, I sometimes watch those silly programs when you see drunk in whatever. That, it could be Huddersfield or it could be, it could be any city or town in the land, right? And they arrest these people and they stick them into the back of the, I was going to say meat wagon, that's very much in Northern Irish, into the back of the police operating vehicle and take them to the uh, to the station and they kick off stink and they go here's another one they go buck daft don't they and it's like the police officer i remember hearing it in one of the interviews he would say they have never known authority they have never known guidance and guidelines they've never known when actually there's the line you've passed and you've crossed the line therefore we are now going to put in a boundary and so obedience for our children requires that we give clear instructions so this leads to a question how do we obey and honor our parents if they don't honor you if they don't give you those instructions you see this is a real question for many of us who are grown-ups You've lived your lives and you haven't had loving Christian parents that have honored you, that have given you instructions. It's a difficult one. It's a really, really difficult one because the Bible is still the Bible and we're still called to honor our parents. How do we honor our parents if they don't treat us with the, same, with the honor that we require? Here's just a few things. It's not an easy answer, but first of all, I think it is permissible and right to break a cycle of neglect or abuse if that has been your pattern it is right and permissible to break that cycle I have come across many uh, people in their adult lives who live under the weight and expectation of parents when they're still adults which was done in such a way to them as children and I think a time comes in an adult life when it's time to say enough's enough we're not going to live that way anymore uh, for us, a, a turning point really, or for me really, was when I got married. A time came and a conversation came when it was like, I am leaving you to create my own family. It's biblical. A husband and a wife leave their fathers and mothers to be united as one to create another family. And that's that. Now, whilst that might be incredibly hard for parents to receive, it was a case of, I'm still going to honor you, you're still going to be mum and dad, but you need to know that things are going to look different. And that is incredibly difficult, I'm sure, for parents who 
who, you know, give of your son or you'll give your daughter away in marriage and all the rest. But it was a turning point and a decisive thing that needed to happen when I left and cleaved from uh, my family. Don't have to live under the abuse and expectations that were placed upon you as a child, if that was your case. To safeguard and protect yourself, your family, and your marriage. Need to limit time and limit communication and watch for the triggers. Watch for the hot spots when you know it's going to be difficult and safeguard yourself in those situations. In terms of honoring parents, you must continue to pray for them. Regardless, to pray for them, to keep on being there for them, although it might be difficult, to continue to model Jesus in a loving, godly way. And if wrongs were done, to release forgiveness to them and for them. Now to us who are parents, especially those who are fathers, do not exasperate your children. What a brilliant word. Do not exasperate. The Amplified Version says, do not irritate and provoke your children to anger. And Paul writes specifically to fathers. Probably in light of what I shared earlier about the power and the authority that a father has upon their children. Paul also writes to the Colossians and he says this, Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. And haven't we seen it? Both fathers and mothers, you've been shopping and Johnny's kicking off in the trolley and parent is, here's another one of your words, lambasting them, like just giving them, here's another one, dog's abuse. I'm on a roll this morning. It's like, it's like they lay into them. You just see Johnny just like quiver into this thing of just discouraged and the old head goes down and all the rest. The reality is that children push our buttons and life is stressful and they know how to push our buttons. And I'm not, I, I'm, uh, I'm not proud of the fact that on many times I've lost it with my own children. I've spoken words I would rather not have spoken. I have done things in a way which did not honor our children. But it is not an excuse being stressed, then pushing about is not a relevant enough excuse. We are not to exasperate or push them to anger. Some thoughts. Coming home from a busy day at the office, coming day from a night shift, coming back from a night shift where you're exhausted or whatever it simply is, is try and look for ways that you can unwind. If it's a car journey, the, think of the music. Think of the way in which we drive. Here's the thing. I have noticed in my last few years that I drive much slower than I used to. Partly it's to do with fuel economy, <laughs> if I'm being really honest. And we have on our car now one of those things that tells you the MPG, miles per gallon. Now here's the thing. We share a car. And because Chantel spoke of me in my text messages last week, here's mine in return. <laughs> this is called honoring one another, by the way. So when I drive the car, the miles per gallon seems to go up. It kind of even gets into the 40s, which I'm right delighted about. But if I've not been driving the car for very long, it begins to come down into the 30s. Um, darling, the shorter journeys is nothing to do with it. 
there is a way of driving economically. Honestly, I've noticed in the last couple of years, I, I'm, I, I'm definitely driving to the speed limits and everything. Isn't that amazing? You're all expecting us to do that. Yes, you should be. We should be. And uh, I, I've just noticed, uh, do you know, by doing that, I've noticed I, I'm a lot calmer as a driver as well. Less easily uh, provoked to anger. Taking 10, taking 10 minutes, taking a deep breath, walking away from the situation and the madness and returning. These are all good tips if we do them and can we do them. And I'm not saying I do them all the time. Another way that we can exasperate our children, parents, is this. Especially Christians. We can place too high demands and too high expectations on them that it exasperates them. When they don't meet up to our high expectations of them, they fail and they feel like they have not done what we intended for them. And that as well is something that we need to look for and be wise about. Instead of honoring and angering our kids, we are meant to train and instruct them in the Lord. Make them catch you reading the Bible. I sometimes do it deliberately. It's like, it's like you know, one of the kids comes in and I'm reading the Bible. It's like, what are you, what are you I'm just reading the Bible here. Make them catch you. Make them see you worship with abandon. Because they catch it. Make them see the way that you treat your spouse in the home. Make them see you engage with people and the way that you treat them. Because they will copy you. Good or bad, they will copy you. We looked at that two weeks ago when we said about imitating God. They imitate us all the time. I see it in our children all the time. Phrases they use, behavior that they act in. It's us. It's us. I've said to you before, there are things that I do in my parenting that my dad did to me. And I'm like, oh my goodness, where'd that come from? That's my dad. That was the phrase he used. Let's be modeling it. Let them catch us. Or let help. You know what I mean. <laughs> I can't even speak. Guys, men, fathers, and mothers. Be there for them. Be present. Be present. Encourage them and use your words. Here came a revelation yesterday. One of our children, I'm trying to get my children to write something nice into Mother's Day card for today. One of them has having a particular difficulty thing. All they wanted to do was write their name. I was like, God, you need to write something. I don't know what to write. I'm like, you need to, mum, she does the washing, she does this, and I'm listing absolutely everything. You need to write. I'm, hold on, hold on, step back, step back. And um, this particular child of the three of us says, but daddy, you never write anything in my cards. <laughs> all right, it's not the worst in the world, all right? <laughs> Flipping heck. Oh my goodness. That's not the worst. Oh, now I feel bad. I felt bad yesterday, but I feel awful now. Not alone. Oh, good, good. 
It was revelation. It was rev- I didn't know. I didn't know Chantel writes the cards. I need to write a message for myself from now on. I need to do that because I need to use my words, be it that they're written, to affirm our children. That's what we need to do. We need to empower them. We really do need to empower them. Instead of imposing what we think, we need to help them think for themselves and make good decisions. Something was brought to me a couple of weeks ago by one of you um, about, uh, about something that one of our children was wearing. It was uh, something I was completely, I uh, didn't know. It was, it was the monster stuff. You seen the monster um, branding and the three things. I didn't realize there's some sort of hidden message behind that and I didn't know that and now all of you are going, oh my goodness, what's that crazy? I went away and I researched that and I looked into that and there seems to be some truth in a negative way about that logo and uh, go and check it out for yourselves as responsible parents and then I went to our child said, I said, son, see that stuff? I, I, I think there could be some meaning in this. Is it not good? What do you want to do about it? Not, I, well, I'm going to give me that hat and stick it in the bin. It was like it meant something. It was value to, to him. It was like, I think there's something in this. Could be someone putting their own spin on it, but it could be. And I don't know, we just don't want bad stuff, do we? What do you want to do about it? And he chose to put it in the bin. And he had other little symbols up on his, on his, around his bed. And, uh, and he said, I think we should take those down, Danny. I was like, that's a good decision, son. I think you're right. Let's do that and let's pray together and let's just move on. That's called empowering. It's empowering. It's helping them to make good choices. I'm running out of time here. I'm going on. We haven't got to slaves yet. We're we're getting there. We're getting there. Here we go. Um, Paul writes to slaves to uh, Roman Empire. Now, that was a big deal. In the Roman Empire, it was said that maybe 60 million slaves. You imagine the population of England. Um... There are thereabouts, 60 million, it's a lot of people. The life of a slave was awful, was terrible. A slave was a commodity, it was not a person. A slave was to be abused and to be used. And the law written by the Roman lawyer Gaius was that the master had literal power of life and death over a slave. If the slave ever ran away and was caught, it would be branded with a letter F on the forehead, uh, which stood for fugitive which means runaway or fugitive as it is in our language today many slaves were ill-treated and uh, often killed by their masters it is this culture that Paul writes to and he says slaves obey your earthly masters with respect and fear he does not tell them to rebel and do away with it he tells them simply to live the very best Christian life that they are possible in that hardship, in that difficulty. And the word for us simply out of this is that whatever situation you are in, whatever workplace that you are in, wherever you find yourself relationally that it might be difficult, is to live out the very best Christian life, to set the example and the love of Jesus in that context and in that place regardless. That said, Paul and I, Paul, are not condoning slavery. It's not saying actually that's okay. It's not at all, because it's not okay. And slavery still in our world exists today. Through prostitution, through trafficking, through extortion, through paramilitary involvement, through forced labor and low-cost labor. They are some 
of several examples where it still exists to uh, some degree or to a large degree. But thankfully, to many of us, we are not slaves living under a master. But we still have bosses. We still have people of positions of authority over us who tell us what to do and have expectations for them. And they are people of position and we are to submit to their authority and to live and do the very best that we can. Obey them, not only to win their favor when their eye is on you. It's doing the right thing, the diligent stuff when no one is looking. We were recently a team of us at a wider vineyard thing in Belfast. And uh, whenever we got back, it was Gillian actually, she wrote this to me in an email. These were her words. I remember last week Christy saying that it's the hidden things, not just the big things that we can see that God is moving in to build his kingdom. I think there is a lot of that going on in and around our church. Little things, personal sacrifices, small conversations and prayer to name but a few. Folks, it's happening in our church to each other, protecting unity, building each other up. Not only is it happening amongst ourselves, but it's happening outside into our community and reaching and stretching out through meals that are being made, through text messages, through Facebook private messages and comments and words and conversations that are taking place that are building each other up. And they're done in secret, just between you, in a way that is absolutely brilliant. Your homework this week is to go do something in secret. When your master is, when, when no one else is watching, it's between you and the person and you and God. He sees it. He knows it. There is nothing better for the soul than to do something in secret. Leave a gift. Go do something. Do a meal. Do something. It doesn't have to be for someone in, in the room. It can be for someone. It could be for a neighbor or family or whatever. But go do something in secret. It's so good for you. And it will so bless the person that you do it for. So, you're at work. Serving wholeheartedly. Serving. Doing your job. Working hard. No one seems to care. No one seems to acknowledge the hard work that you are doing. Or perhaps you're doing a job that in the eyes of the world aren't important. Or in your eyes, actually, you're doing the job, but it just pays the bills. And you don't think it's very important either. Perhaps you're out of work. Perhaps you can't work but you're still able to contribute in serving in some way. And perhaps you're a full-time parent and you're working incredibly hard, but in the eyes of the world, you don't work. You're just a mum. You're just a dad, which is wrong. Serve wholeheartedly as if you are serving the Lord, regardless of whether you're acknowledged, regardless of whether you meet the bonus, regardless if your boss says, oh, great job, you're doing fantastic. Do it in such a way as you're serving literally Jesus. As you sweep up that bit, as you put that chair out, as you make a cup of tea, or is it whatever it is, big or small, that you do it as if you're serving the Lord. It's worship. It's worship. And we must always guard against any kind of thinking that things that if you work for the church or if you work for a Christian organization that you're serving the Lord. And that only those people serving the Lord, ah, you know, you're ministering for the Lord. What a load of rubbish. All of us 
are serving the Lord. It doesn't matter what job or not job or parenting or whatever it is that you spend your day, you do it serving the Lord. You are a minister. You are all ministers. You are all pastors. You've all got it. Put the dog collar on tomorrow. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Again, this is written to a culture where slavery does exist and who are governed by masters. And at first I thought, you know, we're not really masters to slaves. But the more I thought about it, I realized actually we are in our culture masters to slaves. We are. If you really, really thought about it, we could think about the clothes that we wear, the food which we eat, the investment portfolios that pensions and ISAs and our money is invested into, that all those choices and all those decisions that we make have an impact on people's lives and faces that we will never see, but we have a social and ethical responsibility to make sure that they are treated fairly, that they are not children, and that they are paid a decent, honorable wage. And we are masters to them. And it is our responsibility that we would treat them well. As well as this, I do think it's apt to highlight those who are in positions of leadership and of authority. For those who are the boss of a company, you own your own business, you're a headmaster, you're a, you're a pastor of a church, you're a, a life group leader, you're a whatever, you have a position of authority. And in some ways, there are people that you care for, that you give direction for. And it is your job and it is our job that we would serve and we would lead in a way that leads people into life. That we would not exasperate individuals. That we would do it in such a way that is loving, that is caring, that is gracious, that is kind. And that we would always adopt the leadership of Jesus who came with all authority, but he came to seek and to serve and to lay down his life. Takeaway. Most of us like our takeaways at the weekend, and there's your takeaway. It's just a few thoughts for you as you go away, because, you know, there's loads in that, and I've gone on too long. I didn't realize it was going to be. Uh, but there's just some thoughts, you know, as you go away. Each of those things will make something meaningful for you. But unless we put into practice the, the, the stuff, then, um, then that was just a, a nice sermon. Or maybe it was all right. There's some confession in there at least. So, uh, so there's the things. You know, take one or take all of them and, uh, and go do that. I live at 17 Old Grange Drive. If you're... <laughs> If you're thinking um, number three, no, that's totally joking. Totally, totally, totally joking. That's manipulation and abuse right there. <laughs> Folks, we're done. We are done. I'm going to pray. And uh, we, we would normally lead in worship and, and give opportunity uh, for ministry here. If you would like prayer for anything, you want just to receive more of his presence, we'd love to pray with you. 
if you want prayer for healing, you've got something annoying you, and you know, you're on medication or whatever it is, well, let's have a stab at it. Let's have a go a stab at it. Let's have a go at <laughs> let's have a go at praying for it. Okay. So if you'd like to do that, come on up and we'll love to pray with you. Uh, but otherwise, we are meeting tonight in here. We're going to worship the Lord some more. We've got loads of time for prayer, then loads of time for worship. And we'd love you to come and we'd love you to think about bringing someone to that. But let's pray. Then go grab your kids and get a coffee. God, thank you so much that, this, that you are our master. You are our God. You are our King. And we submit to you this morning as your loving, chosen children. Thank you that you are our Father and that you care for us. Thank you for this time together. Thank you that you call us to be family. In Jesus' name, amen. Come and get prayer if you'd like that. Otherwise, see you later.